Hi, I'm Tyler Yules. Welcome to How the Grades Do It. Welcome back to another episode of How the Grades Do It. You know you have me, your host, Tyler Yules. But super excited for our for um, our guest today. We have Michael Bradford. He is head of sales at Happy or Not. Mike, thanks for jumping on with us, man. Thank you, Tyler. Excited to be here. Yeah. So I'd love to hear about like what you're up to at Happy, um, at Happy or Not, and then we can kind of just take the conversation where where uh, where where it finds us at least. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. So Happy or Not is a Finnish company, uh, which was a unique experience for me. They started out back in 2009 and came to the U.S. in 2014. Um, they started out really small um, in the U.S. It, I was hired in 2018 as the lead for the inside sales team. And the way that the Happy or Not company defined inside sales was actually doing sales, you know, from uh, start to finish. It wasn't like a BDR team. So sure. I did that for a while. Uh, then I moved up to kind of running the whole sales organization for the U.S. and the Americas. Um, and now not only am I head of sales, but also VP of operations. And basically what we're trying to do is allow customers to communicate with senior leadership of organizations in a fast, easy, transparent way. Um, like right now, if you have ever gone to a store or a hotel or whatever, you're going to get some like survey in an email, or maybe you'll get a phone call or maybe there'll be a receipt survey and like nobody ever does any of those you no, probably never well, run. yeah personally yeah you, you get them and you delete them yeah exactly nobody pays any attention to them so what we do is we have a physical device in a location um we have our smiley touch or our smiley terminal a lot of people have seen our smiley terminals in airport restrooms um Absolutely. i wish we were known for something else but that's where most <laughs> people see us um but, you know, our actual focus is much more in retail. We have a better story to tell in retail than we do in facilities management. But facilities management is like where everybody's seen us in the past. So we're in like, I don't know, something like 200 airports around the world um, and growing. You know, we just signed a big deal with um, Toronto Airport for an expansion in Miami Airport. So you guys will see us all over for that. But um, really our focus this year and, and in the last years has been retail. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I started, like I said, in 2018. It's been a great ride so far. I see only positive things moving forward. Um, and again, the idea is just to make it, make it easy for operators of businesses to understand what their actual customers are thinking all day, every day. Like yeah. that survey I mentioned before is really like one single moment in time. If you get a survey back from a customer, you're looking at it, it's like call like an EKG of of what's happening in, in that one particular experience point that that person visited. You got like one moment in time, it's just a quick little snapshot of what's happening. With what we do, it's all day, every day, almost like a heart monitor on every single aspect of your business. If you have 200 locations, you can have a device at every single location and customers all day, every day, telling you exactly what they think, what's working, what isn't in each individual organization, or excuse me, each individual experience point each individual location, so that the CEO, the COO, the owners of the business, whomever, the board, stockholders can visualize yep. and see what their customers think all day, every day, know where they need to make changes and see the impact of those changes in real time. 
so that's you know really what uh, we're driving for at Happy or Not. Um, I couldn't be happier uh, to be a part of the team. We have a lot of exciting partnerships that we're launching. Um, yeah. A lot of really exciting growth happening. So that's that's kind of what we got going on at Happy or Not. Yeah, I love that. Like, how how did you get into sales? I'm curious. So, so long, long, long time ago, um, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Maine, and like literally in the middle of nowhere. Um, everybody's maybe heard of Augusta, which is the the capital, um, and I grew up about thirty minutes north of that. And in central Maine, there's not a huge economy. There's not a lot of different options. Uh, I got out of high school. I was going to college, and for better or for worse, I was addicted to pool, like full on addicted to playing pool. And I played pool all the time. I mean, I'd, I'd skip college to go play pool. I'd, you know, whatever it was, I played pool constantly. And a couple of my, these folks that I knew got a job at MBNA America. And this is going back a ways, but um, MBNA America during the 90s and early 2000s was the premier credit card company in the world. And um, they founded or pioneered kind of affiliate marketing. Like now you have like your Red Sox card, your your uh, state, or excuse me, your Dolphins card, your Patriots card, L.L. Bean sure. card, whatever. Um, and you have that affiliate marketing uh, or affiliate relationship associated with a credit card. They founded that whole idea. And I, so I worked for MBNA because a few guys at the pool hall started working there. And I went and got an interview. and. Within, I don't know, three months, I was the top performer um, of the team. And that continued throughout my entire tenure there. Uh, so I started in sales at MBNA. And that's really that experience and that kind of luck, I guess you could say, uh, of getting that job and kind of meeting those folks really defined my career and my life uh, ever since. Sure. Uh, I don't know where I would have ended up having or had I not met those guys that were working at MBNA and, and were able to get the job there, who knows what would have happened, but I'm glad it did. Yeah. You know, um, so often I hear about people's experience for their first job and it really shapes them, I think for the, for like what type of leader they want to be and how they want to sell. And so were there certain things that, that shaped that approach or um, the way, the way you sold things, you know, as you, you know, began to learn, I'd love to hear about those experiences. Yeah, that's actually a really great question. And I'm really glad you asked it because I tell this story quite a bit to folks that I'm training, people that are yeah. on my team. MBNA was a very unique company. They had something called precepts and they were like 10 kind of like almost like commandments, I guess you could say. But like they're yeah. like rules to live by, for example. Um, and above every single door in that entire company, and this, uh, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but MBNA was gigantic, just huge. Um, they had offices in Elisa Viejo, California, Atlanta, Delaware, um, Maine. They had several of them. I was at the Belfast, Maine location. We had offices in Camden, Rockland, um, huge. It was just a huge organization. And literally sure. over every single door on both sides of the door, was the phrase, think of yourself as a customer. And my entire sales experience has always been to think of myself as a customer, put myself in their shoes. I have always believed that sales and being a salesperson is all about problem solving. And until Absolutely. you put yourself in the customer's shoes and you try to look through their eyes, 
at the problems that they're experiencing and, and put yourself in their shoes with respect to budget, with respect to their problems, with respect to their customer experience, whatever it is, think of yourself as the customer and you're, and position everything from a problem solving perspective and you're going to find the right solution to help them uh, get what they need. Yeah, no, I love that. Right. Like, Oh, that consultative based selling, right? Like truly seek to understand. Um, and so I'd love to hear about how you translate that to the team. Um, because I think that's a difficult thing to do, especially when you as a salesperson, right? You're only getting paid when you close something. Yeah. And so a lot of times I right, like, we're looking for that instant gratification as a salesperson. And so what advice do you give to salesperson to say, like, look, we got to make sure we're doing right by our customer every single time. And that's taking them through the best discovery. That's taking them through the best, yep. um, you know, demo of the product. That's, you know, us, us being at our hundred percent. Yeah. So a lot of what I do centers around listening to recorded calls and yeah. it always has. Um, and going back to MBNA, Every month we would have to sit through as a rep, I'd have to sit through listening to myself on calls. And it was very uncomfortable at first, uh, three times a month. And, yeah. you know, I've continued that throughout my entire career, regardless of what industry I was working in. Um, and now that stuff is so much easier to do with tools like Kaya or Gong from Outreach. Um, you know, all those, yeah. all those tools make it so much easier. I mean, back in the day, we used to have to just like, find a recording. I mean, at MBNA, we used a tape recorder for God's sakes. Um, and, and, but it works. I mean, and you, yeah. until you hear yourself uh, and I, and listen to your tone and listen to either the urgency or the empathy or the desperation that you're expressing, yeah. you're not going to be able to fix how the customer is perceiving you. Um, and I am a, firm believer in reviewing phone calls often, uh, yeah. giving coaching from real live phone calls. Um, I've had countless numbers of my calls critiqued by you know, my mentors uh, and friends, even to this day. Uh, I mean, I send calls that I've done, you know, as recently as last week uh, to people uh, that I, that I value their opinion on what could I do better? So, I mean, sales is no different than a sports team. I mean, I often use the analogy of Tom Brady when I'm talking about training or when I'm in training. Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback ever. He's got a he's got a throwing coach, he's got an offensive coordinator, he's got a head coach, he's got everybody scrutinizing every single move he makes and helping him make better decisions <laughs> forward. Uh, yeah. and that's and reviewing a call is no different than uh, going through game film for uh, for a sports coach. It's the same thing. Uh, so that's Absolutely. how I approach everything as if I was the head coach of a uh of a company or excuse me, head coach of a sports team. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the relation there is, is, is I think um, spot on, right? Like we all need coaches throughout, uh, throughout our time, no matter what position we are, we are in. Right. And it's definitely, I think that coachability mentality that you're keeping, I think that's, um, I think everybody should have, right. Like, myself included, um, we're always trying to, it's all, it, I think it's this environment of continuous improvement. And mm -hmm. I think, right, starting from the top makes it a lot easier to say, hey, you may have been a baller at some point um, in your sales <laughs> career. You may be balling out now, but that doesn't mean we all can't get better. Absolutely. And I guess one of the challenges that I've run into in the past, depending on what industry folks have come from, there's a very significant difference between order takers and salespeople. 
I, sure. I guess fortunately or unfortunately, I'm not sure. Maybe unfortunately, I've never really been an order taker. Um, I've not been the guy that's that's sitting somewhere where leads are just coming in and you've got so much to do and so you know, and it's just you're banging deals out left and right and really all you have to do is pick up the phone. That's not been my experience personally. It's always been uh, a little bit harder for me, and I think that that's a good thing uh, because I think that you you make the most money and you know learn the most about yourself and develop the best. Uh, and develop the best version of yourself when you have that adversity of actually trying to make deals from nothing. Um, So doing the outbound prospecting, creating something from nothing, creating a demand, understanding um, a pain that a particular company is probably experiencing and providing them a solution that they probably don't know about uh, is a fantastic feeling. Um, And it's something that I think some sales folks don't necessarily understand because they haven't gone through that pain. So I guess one yeah. of the challenges that I've always had is is identifying who's been successful in their past because they were order takers versus who's been successful in the past because they're actual salespeople uh, that are sure. out there grinding and making things happen uh, from scratch. You know, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Like for your business, at least, like it sounds like it, it is it is phone heavy. So are you looking somebody for somebody with some SDR experience that's built that muscle? Because you're right. Like most salespeople for some reason or another do not want to make cold calls. That's kind of like the thing that says, Hey, you know, no, that's not the right job for me. Okay. Cold calls. No. Whereas uh, someone like myself, right? Like coming from uh, running SDR teams and being SDR at some point in my career, I love them. I don't think you can get any funner right? Activity in sales is having conversations with your ideal prospect. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm definitely more in, in, in the market for SDR folks as with at least an SDR background, somebody that's been out there creating something from scratch that understands how to use LinkedIn, that understands how to pick up the phone. Um, I don't care what anybody says. I don't emails, LinkedIn, all the fancy gadgets and, you know, stuff that people can do now. Nothing beats picking up the phone and having a real conversation with somebody. Now, has that gotten harder because it's harder to get yeah. people's cell phone numbers? It's, you know, you had to deal with uh, people not picking up the phone and all that stuff. Yes, it's gotten harder, but, you know, making a lot of money shouldn't be easy. And yeah. the best way to make a lot of money in sales, in my view, is to be able to pick up the phone and have a conversation with somebody from scratch out of no, out of the blue. And if you can do yeah. that, uh, then you can be successful and you can make a lot of money. And I think it's absolutely blessed. I, I totally agree with you. I think it's super fun to call somebody that you know is a great fit for what you have to do. They definitely don't want to talk to you because you're a salesperson, yeah. but you you turn them and this, there's no greater feeling than that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I used to give the analogy to say, you know, when somebody used to get a call from me, um, and I sent the meeting with him and said, man, I don't know how this guy, one, kept me on the phone for five minutes, two, why I set a meeting with him, and three, you know, uh, how, you know, how did this even happen? And so, because, you know, I, I think most people, they get, they get the first phone call and, um, and their first initial reaction is like, F off. Like, why are you calling me out of the blue? Like, oh, they're more so offended that you call. Exactly. Um, and so I'd love to hear like, what are you telling your reps early on in the conversation to say like, Hey, 
uh, is there fun commonality? Is it being straightforward? Like, what are you seeing that's working the best in that sense? I think being real is what works the best. I mean, I, you know, again, there's yeah. all these bells and whistles, PowerPoints, videos, you know, all that stuff, but people buy from people. I yeah. thoroughly believe that. And, and, you know, with the chat GBTs and everything else that's changing in the world, I don't think that that's going to change. People buy from people that they trust and that they like. Um, so I think that if you approach somebody as if you'd approach them, if you're standing in front of them at a football game or just you're just trying to strike up a conversation at the airport, whatever it is, um, yeah. that's how I approach people. I mean, I'll, I'll share a quick story. Um, I won't share the name of the, the retailer, but. I was at a a large retailer and I had a significant issue with something that happened at this particular retailer. And um, the store manager and the assistant manager of that store got involved. And I live in South Florida. Customer service is not like a strong suit of Palm Beach County. Uh, It's just not. I wish it was, but it's terrible. It's awful. Like if there's anything I could change about South Florida, that would be it. Um, But these two went so far above and beyond to fix my problem that I was genuinely shocked, number one, and extremely appreciative. So I happened to be sitting there at the customer service counter. I looked over and I saw the sign that said the store number. I called up one of my sales folks. I said, do me a favor, get on Zoom Info, find me the number to the highest ranking person that you can. Any Whoever has a cell phone number on Zoom Info, I don't care who it is, CEO, whoever, find me the best number that you can. So I called the guy. His name is Vinny. I called him up. He doesn't answer. Leave him a message. Call him again a little while later. Doesn't answer. Leave him another message. Send him a text. Hey, what did I say? Hey, this is Mike Bradford. I'm at store number, blah, blah, blah. Please give me a call when you have a second so we can discuss the situation that happened here. He doesn't respond. I call him again about four hours later. He picks up. And I tell him what happened. And I expressed my appreciation for how far above and beyond these guys, these guys went. And I said, listen, I'm in the business and your customer experience is not something that's very, very, uh, it's not like a staple of the South Florida community. And these folks just, I couldn't believe how great they were. So he's like, well, what do you do? And I told him, he's like, oh yeah, you guys have the the smiley faces. And this guy's really high up in, in a very, very large organization. Oh yeah, you guys have the smiley faces. I wanted to do something with you before COVID. And, um, you know, then, of course, COVID happened and it didn't work out. Um, Let's get something going. And now there you have it. Now things are moving in the right direction. And that was kind of created from nothing. So that type of experience of being real with somebody, not always having your own selfish um, uh, desires when you're making a call, like having it having a genuine reason. or some some sort of common ground that you can identify. Like I, I, I had a little bit of an ulterior motive when I called this guy. Obviously, sure. At sure. the same time, I really wanted to let him know that these two folks in this store of the thousands of stores that he oversees were so far above and beyond that they needed to be recognized. And sure. it seemed very obvious that he had gotten extremely few of those types of calls. Normally, it's an issue if if something gets escalated to him. He was really appreciative. And we ended up having several great conversations after that. Yeah. You know, um, I take that and I think, you know, that's just a creative way of you building commonality and going out of your way uh, right. to provide value to your customer or your potential customer. Um, but I think that all comes from like understanding your ICP. 
And yep. so, you know, what are some of the ways that salespeople out there can better understand their, you know, the, who they're selling to in a way that, you know, will, will help them um, really help take their sales game to the next level? Like, do you have any advice for those people? I do. Um, and it, 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 I guess this kind of goes back to some of the tools. If you're fortunate enough to work in an organization that has something like an outreach or sales loft or gong, listening to as many calls as you can so you can get a better understanding of how these folks think. Um, yeah. in, in our business, you know, you'd think that we're a customer experience tool, right? That's kind of everyone sees us at Happy or Not. Um, but we don't actually sell to anybody that has customer experience in their title ever. And that's a yeah. very common misconception for new sales folks that start here. Like you don't call customer experience people. It's the last people we want to talk to, which is ironic. Um, but we do succe- uh, succeed with operations people almost exclusively, uh, in, regardless of the vertical, whether it's services, retail, um, transportation, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's always yeah. operations people. So looking back at all the past deals that a company has going through Salesforce, look at like the top 10 accounts. What are the biggest ARR accounts? Look at those, see who the main contact was, see who signed the actual documents, go and look who executed the agreement. That's the person you want to talk to. It's not always the primary contact that executes the agreement. And if you can make the, you can kind of take a shortcut to see what types of titles are signing the paperwork and you can go after those folks when you're prospecting, that makes things a hell of a lot easier. I hate going up the ladder. I want to start at the top and then I'll let the guy at the top pass me off to somebody else if he wants the project to move forward with, with somebody else. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point, right? It's, it's difficult. It's difficult to be referred up. It's not difficult to be referred down. Exactly. <laughs> um, my man, I, I love that. And, and so phone is being the, the, the number one thing for you guys. Like, what are you seeing when it comes to like these auto dialers out there? Are you guys currently using one or is that something when, um, that you've tested out? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, I'm hoping that we'll be able to implement um, a new dialing platform for next year right now we use outreach um and that has it's i wouldn't it's certainly not an auto dialer but it's a click to dial thing within outreach and we run the sequences um and that's worked fine but we did do a test uh with connect and sell and i i genuinely hope that we'll be able to find a way to implement that because that platform is fantastic um connect and sell that basically you upload your list and they have uh, people out there that are kind of doing all the listening to the ringing and and navigating through the uh, automated phone systems for the salespeople and salespeople just kind of sit back. They've got a bunch of lines ringing all at the same time. So it's like a predictive dialer only significantly better because there's not that dead air on the other side for the prospect to potentially listen to. It's an actual person kind of navigating through the automated system and, you know, transferring the call to you when when it's a live person that connects and they have a couple different uh pricing structures with different um different ways of getting the calls to you but i'm a big fan of that particular platform and i think it's kind of like i wish i would have known about it sooner in my sales career uh but i really like what they've got going on they're kind of like a like a little hidden gem i think Uh, but connect and sell i think is fantastic and i hope to be able to use them in the future you know you get i get a lot of 
kickback on both ends that you know people love um the dollar sisters and some people don't love it and the the reason that you're here that people don't love it is the personalization of the conversation and so how do you think um you'd be able to implement personalization in the conversation when 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 using a dollar like that is it just like yeah yeah to be honest i think it's just practice i mean when you think about personalization I, i i tell all of my salespeople this 99% 99% of the time, people aren't going to pick up the phone. So I, yeah. I'm not a firm believer in research. I, I, in fact, I'm not a believer in it at all. Uh, I don't think you need to research people. Uh, I don't think that, I think it's a waste of time because most of the time they're not going to respond to your email. They're not going to respond to your phone call. You're literally just wasting your time. So yeah. I think you have to be able through practice to be able to quickly identify how you can relate to this person once you get them on the phone. Um, you have to be multitasking. You're getting them on the phone. You're going through, hey, how you doing? You know, hey, whatever you're saying. Hopefully, it's not how you doing. That's not a good hey, point. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, uh, but yes. you're saying something. And at the same time, you're looking quickly at their website. You're looking quickly at their LinkedIn profile. And you're finding something quickly that you can relate to. I think you have to be quick-witted. If you're going down the route of trying to over-personalize something, you're just wasting far too much time. I mean, there's so much noise now. Like, I'm sure you get it. I get it. Every single sales leader gets it. Hundreds of emails a week, if not more, trying to sell me something, trying to sell me leads, trying to sell me some sort of new software, getting phone calls. And it's all noise. And you're no different. To So to think that you are different because you're somehow looking at somebody's LinkedIn profile and and putting in a little note that they might latch on to because you're making some sort of reference to the college they went to or whatever. I think it's a complete waste of time because everybody's doing that stuff. You have to be quick on your, in my opinion, you have to be quick yeah. on your feet, quick thinking, get them on the phone and establish a rapport in real time. Uh, otherwise you're wasting a lot of your time. That's, that's my thought. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you're wrong, right? Like there's, you've got to find a way to connect with your, with your prospect and scrolling on LinkedIn all day is not the way to do it. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Right. Like, there is one clear cut way to do it and that's get your person on the phone and have a conversation with them. Um, yes. Yeah. I love, I love it. I love You're talking to somebody that, um, there's an ingredients. So it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. I, I, at least I think it's fun. It, you yeah. never know what you're going to get when you pick up the phone. You never, I mean, you're going to get the people that say, you know, you know, something nasty to you and hang up. Uh, and then you're going to get the other people kind of like you described a moment ago that don't even know why they're continuing to talk to you, but they do. And then it turns into a meeting and then it turns into a big deal all from a simple phone call that you never, ever, ever would have gotten without having the guts to pick up the phone and take a chance and try to start something from nothing. Uh, sure. I'm a big believer in, in cold calling. What do you think the biggest resistance is for salespeople um, just to make phone calls, right? Because especially... You know, especially as I think about the best salespeople out there um, in my career, like they weren't afraid to make a call. They weren't afraid to pick up their phone and, tag, and have a conversation with their prospect. They didn't need to prep, right? And, yeah. Um, and so what, what would you say there, man? I'm speculating a little bit here. Well, I'm speculating a lot, but I, I do wonder if it's, um, if it's something to do with kind of how cultures, I, I hate to, I don't want to use the word evolved. Because uh, I don't think it's an evolution. How how culture has progressed? No, progressed isn't the right word either. Has cultures changed? That's the right word. Yeah, how culture changed, has changed yeah. a little bit. Um, you know, 
back in the day, you know, people used to talk to people. Now yeah. everybody texts or everybody emails or everybody LinkedIn messages or, you know, looks at reels. The, the social interaction has changed and people just aren't as comfortable talking to people. And I think yeah. that if any, if I was to advise people out there today <laughs> to maintain that skill, I think will be infinitely valuable moving forward. Because uh, like I said before, people buy from people. They don't buy from PowerPoints. They don't buy from you know nonsense. They buy from people. Um, yeah. If you can you know, continue to carry on the art of a conversation um, and you never lose that skill, then you're going to be leaps and bounds ahead of anybody else that de that's dependent on the chat GBTs or whatever else uh, in the world. Not that those tools aren't useful because they are, but the most important value and the most important asset you have is you and yeah. your ability to communicate with people. No, I love that. You know, I, I think you're right, right? Uh, a lot of, well, you know, you walk through the grocery store and you, no one even says hi to anybody, right? Like, know, you put it's your so head, weird. It, it is <laughs> odd, right? Like, and, you know, I'll, I'm on the opposite end, right? Like, I'm just going to say hi to people just because they're walking by. You don't even have exactly. to smile at me to get a hi. And, you know, exactly. some people look shocked that I'm saying hi to them or offended. And it, and it is odd, right? Especially someone that has conversations and likes to have conversations. Yep. Um, and I think that people do like to have conversations. There's that wall that everybody puts yeah. up initially. But as soon as you do what you're discussing, and I do the exact same thing, you break down that wall, people will open up. And they'll just keep, yeah. to keep going and going and going. You ask a good question and get an open-ended question out there that matters to them and allows them the opportunity to tell you something about themselves or something yeah. that they're proud of, they're not going to stop. They're going to keep talking and you're going to keep learning more and more and more. And you're going to be able to put yourselves more in their shoes and help them problem solve in a more effective way, which can ultimately drive you closer to a deal. It's no different to your grocery store analogy or, or talking to a prospect. It's the same thing. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what about, on the, you know, I know that you've recently kind of taken over more of the operation side as well, along with the sales, like, uh, think, I think thinking with the sales hat and thinking with the operations hat are kind of different things, right? I think yeah. the operations person has the, the chief problem solver. And I think the, <laughs> the salesperson has like, you know, the, the chief enthusiast. Yep. That's true. So it's, 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 how do you balance those hats? <laughs> It's been yeah. a unique experience, but um, at the same time, you, it's unique, it's challenging, it's different, and I think it's probably something that I needed to do just to um, you know keep things fresh, I guess you could say, and to Absolutely. keep challenging myself. Um, so it's it's been a fun experience, and the best part of it is I don't have to take my feet out of the sales arena. I can still have that as like my primary focus, and then the operations stuff. Uh, as secondary. And I have, you know, folks that are on the team that are helpful. You know, we have HR folks, finance folks, and, you know, um, partnership folks and all that stuff. And, you know, I can kind of um, just work with all of them and make sure all that stuff is happening. We recently had an office move uh, and a lot of that coordination uh, fell on me. That was a little bit more than I expected it to be, but uh, <laughs> it all worked out in the end. Um, and, it, and it was fun. It was just something different. So, I mean, it, it's important for folks to keep challenging themselves and get out of their comfort zone. Like if you're not comfortable making cold calls, then you probably ought to do it because once you do it, you're going to learn something and it's going to be a skill that you can never, ever lose.
you know, once you once you have these things, they can't be taken away. Um, so if you're not comfortable with something, I challenge folks to do it because um, you're going to grow as a result. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no comfort in that in that uncomfortable. You have to be uncomfortable being uncomfortable. Right. Like once yes. you get to that point, um, I think that's when things become fun. Right. It doesn't Definitely. become I have to make cold calls. It's like, yo, I'm about to blow the phones up. Exactly. Exactly. And what we try to do, we've had like um, call blitzes in the past. Um, sure. And, and, you know, frankly, with everything that's with the move that we recently did, I haven't been able to focus on this as much recently. But I want to do a lot more of it because we just hired a bunch of new folks. I have a lot more like contests related to cold calling um and contests related to upsells you know stuff like that to keep things fresh and keep things fun uh we need to do a lot more of and then you know from the operations side uh, just really making sure that the teams are interacting with each other on a frequent basis you know because you got the sales side and you get the customer success side and happy or not then you also got the training folks and it's very important for all those all those three groups of people or the onboarding folks, I should say, all those three groups of people to be really working well together and to have solid relationships, not just professionally, but personally, and just, you know, to get along, frankly, uh, and enjoy each other, other's company and, and respect each other's opinions. So the more time that they spend together, working on projects together, doing fun things together, you know, we recently had a, our holiday party, you know, that was a lot of fun. Um, so... Yeah, I think that's one thing that uh, over the last couple of months uh, could have used a little bit more focus, but will definitely be one of my focuses for 2024. I'm sure the team was going to love to hear that, you know, like yeah. um, anytime salespeople can get out and have a good time, they um, they welcome it. They do. They do. You know, it's supervisors. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, man, I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about this, like, you know, I know early on in my career, especially as I started to figure out sales um, and making a lot of those cold calls, you know, it wasn't a welcome thing. And the motivation would somewhat go like this. And I've seen that for other sales reps as they go through it, right? Like they had a great week and they, and they, you know, set a few meetings or close a few deals and then they go to the next week and, you know, not much happens. And, you know, so it's, it's this rising tide. Um, that everyone goes through in this, in the, the breadth of sales. So like, how do you keep people motivated and pushing them towards that, that monthly goal? Because like you said, it's a, it's a monthly thing that you're constantly trying to chase. Yeah. I think that there's, there's a lot of truth to the whole roller coaster of sales. You know, there's the, the super high highs and, you know, the really low lows. Um, and it's all about kind of remembering when you're on a low, don't forget that you were on a high before and the high is going to come back. Yeah, uh, everything. I mean, life is cyclical. You're not always going to be at the top of your game. You're not going to always have the best month. You're not always going to have uh, you know the best luck. You know, things are going to go around, and you just kind of have to always remind people, like you didn't forget how to do your job. Maybe you're maybe you're lacking or uh, you know kind of laxing off a little bit on some of your fundamentals. Maybe you just need a little reminder. Do a little bit more of this. Do a little bit more of that. And that's where you know. Uh, good leadership comes into play and in, in recognizing people's strengths and weaknesses. But people just need a reminder every now and again that they do know how to do the job. They can be successful. Yeah. And it's not always going to go your way. It's just not. It's no different than sports. Uh, look at all the football games that Tom Brady lost. You know, going back to that, look at all the sure. basketball games Michael Jordan won. These guys are the best in the business. And 
they lost games, they missed game-winning shots, things go sideways. You can't help it. All you can do is get back on the horse and keep fighting and keep pushing through it. You're going to get a bad break. You're going to get like a bad call in a game at the, at the last second. You're going to get somebody that comes out of the blue in the sales process that you've never heard of before that uh, didn't, you didn't yeah. even know was one of the players in the decision-making process, and they're going to kill your deal. It's going to happen, and you just got to go find another one. Um, yeah. And that's, that's just the way it goes. Um, and I think that if you're not cut out for dealing with the storms and weathering the storms, and there's people that, are, that aren't, and that's okay. You know, but yeah. if you're not somebody that can deal with the ups and downs, then sales probably isn't for you. And that's okay. There's people, we need customer success people too. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, right, like there's a different type of sales. Like, I, right, like, you know, people talk about sales and it isn't, it isn't a great fit for everybody. But, you know, there's these small parts of sales aspects that are in everyday, everyday part of life. And even in your customer success so, role, right? You know, there's the skills that you're going to learn and pick up. They translate. Definitely. <clears throat> Definitely. Well, the, one of the um, one of the sales mentors that I have, his name is Byron Lindsay. Um, and he he wrote a book. Uh, it's, it's called Make Selling Great Again. That's uh, obviously yeah. a little bit of a play on the MAGA thing, but, you know, whatever. That's OK. Um, make make Selling it. Great Again is a fantastic book. Um, and he talks about. And often when we're having these conversations about sales of how, how much sales is similar to dating and yeah. he makes those, that analogy quite frequently um, in different aspects. And, you know, when you're, when you're going on a date with a girl, the last thing that the girl wants is for you to talk about yourself. It's no different in sales. The last yeah. thing the sales, the, your prospect wants to hear about is you. The, nobody, they don't care. So don't waste your breath. You know, get yeah. them talking, learn about them, learn about what they've got going on, and then they'll get to you if they want to. Um, and when they do get to you, you'll be that much more armed uh, to have you know the appropriate uh, content to discuss with them because you've learned about them. Um, so, yeah, you know, the sales skills definitely translate into real life uh, in so many different aspects, not just dating, but just in everyday conversation. Um, relating to different people. It's weird. Like another thing that uh, my experience in life uh, that helped with my sales career was being around pool. Uh, and, you know, pool is such a, a unique game because there's all aspects of life in pool and you wouldn't know it until you're in it. But I have friends yeah. that are pool players that, you know, are worth 10 cents and are basically homeless to people that are worth $500 million. And literally everybody in between, there's business owners, there's tradesmen, there's salespeople, there's everything that you could possibly imagine. And playing pool, associating with those folks, and then subsequently later on in life, owning a pool hall, which I did for about six years as a side project. You know, I was still a sales leader, but I yeah. had this pool hall on the side and just, you know, being involved in that and, you know, being in the service industry, you know, because I would bartend from time to time. It was a it was a smaller pool hall, so I would fill in, and you know, just having that type of um, interaction with all sorts of different types of people yeah. um, helped me to be able to um, kind of adapt uh, to different to different levels of conversation. You know, regardless, you know, I can talk to anybody. I can talk to an ultra rich person. 
super poor person, anybody in between. Um, yeah. You know, so and I think that that type of experience and just being in that that blessing, I guess, of being able to interact with so many different people um, at different levels and different you know stages of life, all that stuff. Whether it's somebody that's retired, somebody that's in college. I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily be socioeconomic. It just can be can be age related, generational. Um, uh, where people are from, you know, I play yeah. pool all over the country. So people in Maine are different than people in Florida, than are different than people in California and Texas and so on and so forth. And you get a little bit of a taste for everybody uh, in pool. I'm, I'm very, very fortunate going back to the beginning of our conversation that I played pool in the middle of nowhere in Maine at a great yeah. pool hall with all sorts of different people and was introduced to the opportunity of MBNA that kind of launched my career in the, and has been, uh, has been, you know, a driving force in my life. Yeah, no, I love that. You know, one last question for you. Um, how do you want people to remember you when, when you leave this life? <laughs> uh, I guess what I, I mean, this goes totally away from sales, you know, sales yeah. is my career, but my life is all about my family, my, my wife and my children. So the only thing that I'm worried about being remembered as is a good husband and a good father uh, that raised that that took care of my family, put my family first, and that was always there for my children, set a positive example for them, yeah, um, and you know allow gave them everything that they needed to be successful in life, not only economically but socially, and uh, just just to be good people. Um, that can contribute in, in, a, in a unique way to society. Um, that's, that's what I want to be remembered. I, I, I could, I mean, I, maybe this is not the right no. thing to say considering the topic of this com- conversation, but I don't, I'm, I'm not concerned with my legacy as a sales leader. I'm concerned yeah. with my legacy as a father and a husband. No, I love that. Man, I, Michael, man, this has been fun. And I know a ton of people are going to get a lot out of this. Um, so I appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure. It was great talking with you. If we, after this, if people want to follow up with you and connect with you, where should they do that? Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest way. Love it. Michael Bradford on, on LinkedIn. Uh, Michael, man, appreciate the time. This is another episode of How the Grades Do It.